Hello Husky fans, this is Mike Martin with Sports Illustrated's Husky Maven channel. With me on the line is Frank Thomas Carr from ESPN Radio 1450 in College Station, Pennsylvania, where he covers the Penn State Nittany Lions, and he also works for Pro Football Focus, covering the 49ers. And uh, Thomas, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, um, you've covered Penn State. Uh, we're going to talk about the Huskies' new hire of John Donovan, but you've covered Penn State for, for how long? Uh, actually, my first year officially covering Penn State as a paid professional was in 2013 uh, when he was hired as the offensive coordinator with James Franklin, who's still here as the head coach. So uh, it feels like forever ago, but 2013... Uh, and, of course, I, I went to Penn State, so I've been here uh, since 2008. So I've gone back almost uh, a little over a decade. Okay. Well, um, when you heard that the Huskies had hired John Donovan, what was your instant reaction to that? I felt like I was seeing a ghost, honestly. I, I did not know where John Donovan was at the time, uh, and I, I didn't realize he was with the Jack Jaguars as a running back coach. So it was like uh, it was like a blast from the past seeing his name again coming up as an offensive coordinator. Well, j just at first glance, kind of looking at uh, the Huskies, who, for the University of Washington, you, they they went after Kellen Moore, who's the offensive coordinator, down with the Dallas Cowboys. They, they liked him because he's a young guy, energetic, can probably recruit pretty well. Um, and then you go to to a guy like Donovan. So at first glance, does this seem to me more of an off-the-wall hiring, or do you think they were thinking outside of the box for this hire for a college football team? Well, he's a guy who has, I think, five or six years as experience as a coordinator at the college level. So as far as uh, you know, having the experience to fulfill a job and to do the job adequately – I think he's he's well versed as a recruiter uh, and as a as a play caller especially. So I wouldn't say it's an off the wall hire as much as I would say it was kind of a um, under the radar one because at, there was a certain point when James Franklin and, and John Donovan and that team and that offense when they were at Vanderbilt were rising stars in the profession even as an offensive coordinator in the SEC. Uh, they did some good things, uh, you know, at least on the surface level with the offense at Vanderbilt. So at one point this would have looked at, you know, as a, as a, as a, as kind of an underrated hire, kind of a slam dunk hire, but obviously the two years spent at Penn state went in a different direction for Donovan's career. And then he's been out of the spotlight being an assistant coach and, you know, being a consultant elsewhere until this hire. So uh, it's, in it'll be interesting to see how he does. Cause I, I you know, I think there's a very incomplete picture with John Donovan. And that's kind of what I got. And he inherited, um, I think, a dicey situation going in there uh, where there are a lot of sanctions. Um, what, what was the offensive situation and, and kind of what did he inherit offensively at Penn State? So that is, I think, the biggest thing that you, you why we don't really know what John Donovan uh, wants to do with an offense, because I could tell you what James Franklin and his offensive philosophy that John Donovan came from, what they like to do. But the time that Donovan was with Penn State, there was such uh, a drastic dip in talent at Penn State with the sanctions and the number of scholarship players. Uh, here's just something to give you an idea of what they were working with. 
Christian Hackenberg was the number one overall pocket passing quarterback, I think, in the 2012 recruiting class. Uh, he was sacked 83 times in the two seasons with John Donovan. So their offensive line was a mess. When James Franklin got here in 2013 with John Donovan, I think they had uh, in the single digits maybe one or two scholarship offensive linemen. And that really was the, the, the weakness of the team. That was really where the Achilles heel came in. When you've got a pocket passer like Christian Hackenberg and you don't have an offensive line to protect him, it, it, it was really kind of trying to like push a rock uphill for Donovan, which what they, they didn't have the ability to protect Hackenberg. And Hackenberg, as we've seen in his career, I don't know if you know this or not, hasn't become the most accomplished quarterback in the history of college football or the NFL. So really, it was, it was a tough situation to get a read on Donovan. And by the time his time here at Penn State ended, things had gone south so quickly at the end of the 2015 season that it was kind of a, it felt like a self-preservation move for the offense and for James Franklin to let him go. And they went in, in a new direction with Joe Moorhead, who, as we saw in the next two years, has been, you know, very prolific. But there was a different change and a different mentality with different talent at that point. So it, it was, I don't want to say Donovan was a sacrificial lamb, because I think there was plenty of blame to be placed at his feet. But it definitely ended abruptly, and it ended prematurely here at Penn State. Well, let's look at what you just said right there about the blame to be placed at his feet. Um, you know, was it the play calling? Uh, the offense struggled, obviously, with what you said one um, one scholarship lineman. Um, so, I mean, that's that's more of a recipe for somebody that's not a pocket passer, somebody that is mobile, like a Trace McSorley who came in after Hackenberg. Um, you know, so so was it the play calling? Was it the players? Um, you know, kind of where if if you were to assess uh, or assign any blame, where would you kind of where would you lay that at his feet? What blame would you lay at his feet? Uh, so that's 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 always the the million dollar question, right? Is is who who to blame when something goes wrong? And uh, it, it's a little. It's a little bit of everything. I'll say this about the situation. No one was in a good situation, and for the most part, everyone kept a stiff upper lip because Christian Hackenberg came here to play for Bill O'Brien, who, you know, we've seen go on to the NFL and was much more of a traditional sort of pro-style offense. Donovan and Franklin brought, you know, I'd say a modern-era approach to Penn State when they came from Vanderbilt, and we saw what they could do before and after with a mobile quarterback. Trace McSorley was recruited here to be the type of quarterback that Donovan most likely was going to work with. But in order for program stability and program health to not play the true freshman right away and to give deference to the guy who had been there and had gone through a lot for the program, staying committed to Penn State during the 2012 season with all the things that happened around Penn State at that time, there really wasn't an avenue to play the more mobile athletic guy. Okay, so your offensive line is bad, and you've got a pocket passer. So you want to go to a quick passing game, which is the opposite, I think, of what James Franklin and his philosophy is of explosive plays and downfield passing and, and creating chunk plays. Uh, and, I, and if I were to guess, that would be what Donovan would maybe lean towards, but you can't do that with that offensive line. So you go to the quick passing game. Hackenberg was unbelievably inaccurate, especially on short throws into the flat bubble screens. 
anything you would do to overcome a poor offensive line, Hackenberg couldn't execute it. So then it leaves you in a situation of what do you do? Uh, the offensive line wasn't necessarily the best pass blockers in the world, which we've covered, but they were decent run blockers. A guy named Saquon Barkley had a pretty good year under Donovan in 2015. I've heard of him. Thousand yards. Yeah, I've yeah, heard. right. You might have heard him. True freshman in 2015 didn't start the didn't start the first. I want to say two to four games. He wasn't the full time starter through until halfway through the season. He was splitting time with a senior, Keel Lynch. And then he goes off and has a thousand yards that year. So there, there was pro, there was there was definitely talent on the team. Chris Godwin, who is one of the best receivers in the NFL right now, uh, had a very good year. His, probably his best year at Penn State under Donovan, where he had 1,100 yards receiving. But again, it goes back to the offensive line and Hackenberg, and really the core of that offense. None of the pieces fit, and that's where when they got into big games, everything fell apart. They lost four straight games at the end of the 2015 season. And then the decision to move on from Donovan was made. Uh, did he adjust to the problems adequately? I would say probably not. There was a lot of times it felt like it was a predictable offense and that they were kind of stuck in a rut of doing two or three things. But at the end of the day, you might have only had two or three things that you felt comfortable doing because the personnel dictated you couldn't do other stuff. Right. And in 2014, Hackenberg was 39th in the country in yards, but like you said, he was fairly inaccurate at completing only 58% of his passes. But when you consider that somebody's going to be trigger happy when there's pressure coming from everywhere, getting hit 82, I mean, that's getting taken to the ground 82 times. That doesn't even bring into the, to the equation how many times he was hit. And, uh, you know, so, so you got to appreciate that uh, a pocket passer, 58%, uh, 39th in the country, but um, then, you, then you transition to a guy like Trace McSorley, who came in really kind of at, uh, after, um, or he actually got onto the field after Donovan left. Um, and, and so for the, for the year before uh, um, McSorley took over, uh, they 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 were twenty they they were um, excuse me they scored twenty three points a game hundred first in the country then they jumped up to thirty seven almost thirty eight points a game which is basically two touchdowns better was right. was then was that did they solve problems or uh, with with a personnel change from Hackenberg to McSorley or was it a kind of a perfect storm to improve because the guys had been there and they'd fought through all these things and now they were starting to get their own players into the system for where they're trying to drive square pegs into round holes did they now have round pegs to go into the round holes. So I, I think when you look at 2013, the you have a lot of remnants of a very confusing time, I'll call it for Penn State, where you had Joe Paterno's players who were here with Bill O'Brien's players who were here with uh, players that were recruited from different clubs. Like, it was a very, very volatile time at Penn State and in Happy Valley. Like That, that cannot be understated. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that season even before John Donovan got here. Uh, Bill O'Brien, I think, had a major influence on that. Don't forget, in 2013, Allen Robinson was a part of the Penn State offense. And I don't, again, I don't know if you've heard of Allen Robinson. Pretty good darn wide receiver in the NFL. They still also had uh, a lot of 
offensive lineman John Urschel, guys who played uh, A.Q. Shipley, I think, was uh, that might have been after he was gone. But there were still the remnants of offensive players that were recruited before the sanctions hit. What was all supposed to happen, really, they were supposed to get down to 65 scholarships within a certain number of years. So they were restricted and they were restricted and they were restricted. It's like turning off a hose. And by the time the hose had gotten to its lowest, that's when Donovan came in and took over as the offensive coordinator. So none of this is happening in a vacuum where you could say, okay, we have X number of years of optimum you know, time and players and scheme to say Donovan was or wasn't the problem. And when you fast forward to 2016, you have a completely new offense. And I mean completely new, not just to Penn State, to the Big Ten, to, to the nation, really, with Joe Moorhead's offense, which, uh, you know, is still relatively new when you look at it as compared to other offensive schemes, even at this point now that he's left Mississippi State. So the scheme is different in 2016. The players are different in 2016. I mentioned Saquon Barkley. He had his best year probably in 2016 as far as, like, the high-end wow plays before anyone really knew that you had to game plan against him. So you have a generational talent coming in with a brand-new scheme, with a brand-new quarterback, and uh, a new offensive coordinator and a new play caller. All of this, I think, is unpredictable to the point that um, even the Big Ten defensive coordinators and the people within the conference didn't know what to expect. And the 37 points a game, that didn't really start until the game versus uh, Minnesota that happened here in, I think, early October. They were 2-2 and in September. There was uh, talk that Franklin needed to be fired, that this new offensive system wasn't going to work, and then one of those special moments just happened. Now, do you give that? I, I you you give credit to where it is, and I think Trace McSorley was a big difference, and the leadership and his ability to play, and those intangible factors that you didn't have in Hackenberg, you did have in Trace McSorley. His leadership, his clutch ability, whatever you want to call it, those things that you can't quantify that are super annoying when you want to drill down and find the answers. It was kind of a perfect storm that season for everything to turn around and for Penn State to win a Big Ten championship. So I, I think part of it, yes, the, remo- the, the addition of um, Joe Moorhead as the offensive coordinator the year after was absolutely the reason they were successful. But I'm not – I'm still – I think we're still finding out whether or not Moorhead and his system – are effective or where they just knew at that time and no one knew what to expect because they still had problems on third down. They still had problems scoring and keeping up in big games with very talented opponents. Even in 2017, when they were expected to uh, compete for a college football national championship. So it, it, I still don't think we know the true answers because everything changed so quickly from Bill O'Brien to John Donovan to Joe Moorhead. And now they have Kirk Soraka after Ricky Ronnie had been here for two years. So there hasn't been an offensive coordinator for more than two years at Penn State since going back to Bill O'Brien. And it's really hard in a two understand what are the factors uh, that you can lay at the different feet of the different participants to really know anything. 
And so it really comes that uh, it really seems like, and now I, the reason I know so much about Penn State is because I am actually from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so I keep track of oh, okay. the Big Ten pretty pretty well. So um, I knew the name uh, Donovan when uh, when I saw the name come across. I was like, that couldn't be the guy from Penn State. I didn't realize that, that he because uh, I kind of tr- lost track a little bit, like you did, of where he went after he was let go by Penn State. So I'm I'm very well aware of of how much disarray and um, and unmet expectations there were, and what the expectations are there in Penn State for for the program, and and to come out of what they came out of. And and you know have a couple of down years and then be able to rebound. Um, a lot of that has to do with recruiting because, like Woody Hayes used right. to say, you win with people. How would you say that Donovan is on the recruiting trail? Uh, as far as that, I, I couldn't give you a, a, an intelligent answer on that. I know they got quality talent and they brought a guy like Trace McSorley to Penn State. It, that's one of those things where James Franklin is very, very, very heavily invested in the recruiting end of things at Penn State. So I, I can't imagine he would have a bad recruiter on his staff. So I think Donovan, for his part, is a very good recruiter. There, there were, like I said, there was talent at the skill positions that came from Vanderbilt to Penn State as a part of that transition from when they were hired down there that came up here. There's some very talented players that, that came to Penn State that Donovan uh, had a hand in recruiting. The part that I don't know, and this is the part that I think it is over time may come back to bite a guy like John Donovan, is I don't know what kind of a developer of a quarterback he is. Because the, he's never had a quarterback. He has a, one quarterback that he's been the offensive coordinator for that's had a completion percentage north of 60. Now, that's a really basic uh, thing just to look at. But I, there's no evidence that players got better under Donovan when it comes to that position and it's so critical. I mean, you've seen at, at, uh, in Washington there what happens when you have a good quarterback and when you have a quarterback that's just okay. And if you have, don't have a guy that can elevate that position and he's your offensive coordinator, you're already at a disadvantage. So that would be the thing that I, I, if we see development from a quarterback from Donovan, that would be the first time we've seen it. And that was actually, you led me kind of right into my next question. The Huskies have uh, four, three, excuse me, three scholarship quarterbacks. All are uh, four-star guys, uh, guys with high ceiling, uh, guys that are maybe more of the pocket passer. But the strength, as you guys have noted on when you do your stuff for PFF College, uh, they had the 10th best offensive line. They lose two guys. Uh, so he's not going to have... A whole lot of trouble. Whoever takes the quarterback position is not going to have a whole lot of protection protection problem. But my question is that that in 2018 was when Jonathan Smith went to Oregon State, and we expected Jake Browning to take another step forward. They brought in Bush Hamden, and the quarterback position didn't ever developed, didn't take that senior step forward. They had Jacob Eason come in, and a lot of the same issues that we saw under uh, Jake Browning, we saw them uh, again with with Jacob Eason. And that's the biggest question that I have is, can he develop that quarterback room? Uh, 
Um, he's only going to have three guys to work with, so he's not going to be uh, splitting his time. But he's going to have to create a, uh, a horse race in spring because he's going to have three guys that are all vying for the position. Would they have a guy coming in from California? Uh, Ethan Garbers, his brother Chase, is at Cal. So there's, there's a lot of really elite talent but nobody is proven, and there's 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 not a front runner to to the position. Um, was at Penn State was uh, Hackenberg? Was there anybody pushing him? How did Hackenberg no. get the job, or did they, so he was just one man? It was a one man show, starter reps the entire way. So that and that goes back to the whole situation with the sanctions and the fact that Hackenberg was the quarterback. You weren't going to, in that situation, with everything that had happened, you weren't going to pull the junior quarterback for the freshman who probably fits your system better. It was a situation where there, there wasn't competition in every position because there was barely a body at every position. So uh, there, that was not on the table. And there was a lot of talk about how Trace McSorley had the potential to be a great quarterback, and he was more the mold of what they wanted to play. But they simply couldn't because, A, they didn't want to burn his red shirt, and they wanted to make sure that his timeline was preserved so that he would be a quarterback that would be good for them down the road. And also they wouldn't lose the locker room, which you know was in turmoil over having three different or four different coaches recruiting these players over the span of four years. So it was kind of one of those – it was a deal with the devil that you're not going to create competition at certain positions so that for the betterment of the team – in kind of a reverse sense of what football typically is. Right. Uh, but again, going back to that, I, there was no real progression. There was no real fix to any of Hackenberg's problems. And we've seen that nobody else has been able to fix those, but we never had any evidence that John Donovan could make anybody better than they were because all of the flaws were always magnified by the situation, by the scheme, by the position the players were put in. And part of that is, like we talked about, not having positional strength at the offensive line and at the quarterback position, but also there was not a lot of creativity or a lot of progression, a lot of getting better at the little things for Penn State when Donovan was here. Now, is that fair? I, I don't know, and that's the whole thing. Is I don't think anyone really has a good idea what John Donovan is as, as an offensive coordinator. So if, back to your original question, is it kind of off the wall? It's more of a shot in the dark because there was a guy who was at one time a highly thought of coordinator under a rising star of a head coach. One of them is still here. The other is now back. So we'll see what John Donovan has learned. We'll see what he has become. But I don't think the returns at Penn State were all that promising. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on. You've given us a whole lot of, uh, there have been a lot of, as you, you can imagine, I don't know how Penn State Twitter is, but Washington Twitter, they will only look at <laughs> some of the numbers that are out there. And so it's nice to have uh, them quantified by, by you to, to really look at kind of the numbers and what they actually mean, because it wasn't just Donovan, when he left, they suddenly got better. It was when when a system uh, was really put in that could really take advantage of the skills of the next quarterback is is kind of what what we're getting at. And like you said, shot in the dark, um, informed shot in the dark. Let's hope because um, I think that Co- yeah. Coach Lake thinks that he can be bring that NFL experience and really kind of, uh, he has, there's a, just an absolute ton of playmakers here at Washington, something that he didn't have the benefit of there at 
Penn State. But um, uh, Thomas Frank Carr, thank you for coming on. Uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can always follow me at Thomas Frank Carr. I have two first names. It's very confusing, but it's at Thomas Frank Carr. Or if you want, I know this is going to go over very well in your area, at PFF underscore 49ers. I also run the 49ers Twitter account for PFF. So uh, that might be something relevant in a couple of weeks when the two teams maybe, maybe not are playing for the <laughs> NFC Championship game. All right. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. And just uh, when I was Googling you, um, I got a picture of Frank Thomas's car. I'm sure you that's not the first person. <laughs> <laughs> So the funny thing is, like, I grew up with this name, right? Like, and, and every adult in the mid-90s was like, Frank Thomas, right? And I'm like, I don't know what that means. And as I've gotten older, I've started to laugh at it more because I'm like, I could not be any more different than Frank Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, that was pretty funny. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet out the picture of it, and maybe that'll be your new Twitter picture. Um, anyway, <laughs> thank you for coming on uh, Instant Reaction with Mike Martin on Sports Illustrated Husky Maven channel. Uh, check back more for more content, and uh, maybe we can get you on uh, when when the Huskies are going to face Moorhead when he's if he is the coordinator at Oregon. Maybe we can get some insight on that as well. Man, I know more about Pac-12 offensive coordinators than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for coming on. See ya. Bye.